Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we're speaking with Lorena Puica. Lorena, how are you? Very good, and happy Monday, indeed. <laughs> happy Monday, indeed. Well, Lorena, thank you so much for joining us on Uncaged. Lorena is the founder and CEO of SID. SID's collective mission is to enhance the health and quality of life of 1 billion people by 2025. And I'll let Lorena tell you how her organization is doing that, but it's a really, really amazing mission. It's an amazing organization. But before we get there, Lorena, tell me a little bit about you and your career today. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. So uh, clearly with a mission like that, you can imagine that I always set small goals for myself. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, long story short, I was born in Romania. Um, my father was a physicist and my mother an entrepreneur. And I swore from day one, I will never, ever start a company. Hmm. So I went on, I did about five degrees in math and finance. I spent a decade in investment management as one does. I mean, that was, that was the only thing to do for someone born with Asperger's and keen on numbers. <laughs> Um, long story short, I faced the healthcare world in my mid-20s when I was diagnosed with um, thyroid and a heart condition. And uh, I thought finance, you know, finance. I, I can do anything in finance. I, I can, my mind is in numbers. I look at spreadsheets and they talk to me. Healthcare, I thought it's, in, it's black and white. It's this absolutely robust science everyone has the right answer there's only one answer and oh, it's the Lord. right <laughs> boy was i wrong <laughs> yeah so after three years of being uh, um passed from pillar to post and told basically you've got three years to live <laughs> i thought that's a pretty intense uh, wake-up call and i yeah. thought surely healthcare cannot be that um that um challenging if I was if I managed to do five degrees I'm sure I can get a handle on on healthcare too and the more I dug into it I realized that of an eight trillion dollar global industry 90 percent so you're looking at over seven trillion is preventable so basically most of the attention goes on the curative when actually our attention and our the most constructive way in which we could use resources is in prevention Wow. And, <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> prevention for everything. So prevention, clearly, you know, prevention is always better than cure. Though mm. if you just take the four big giants, stress, anxiety, depression, we have the global mental health pandemic now. It's just this, I call it the silent pandemic. <laughs> mm -hmm. We have obesity, diabetes. And of course, U.S. is is leading the way there. Yeah, we like to lead in everything. Exactly. You know, we like to win all categories. We happen to be winning that one. Yes. And, and look at the if I may say so. We're very good at that stuff. Yes. Uh, the third one, cardiovascular. So any any heart heart conditions, and then musculoskeletal. 
So these four buckets, stress, anxiety, depression, obesity, diabetes, musculoskeletal, and cardiovascular are making up 90% of uh, global healthcare costs. So basically mm. if we can help people um, either delay or reduce the impact of these conditions, imagine someone with diabetes that they don't get to a critical stage, that they, that, that they stay in the pre-diabetic stage longer, right. or at least they stay for the rest of their lives in pre-diabetic. That's a massive impact, both for the quality of their own lives, for the quality of their <laughs> bank account, <laughs> as well as for the context in which they operate, their families, their business, their communities. So really anything we can do to prevent these conditions from, from reaching their biggest impact is a massive help for every facet of a person's life quality. I have so many experiences that validate what you're talking about, Lorena. So tell me what you and the team have built at SID. <laughs> Um, simply put, we've built, we, we've taken, look, I'm not a healthcare professional. And I thought, how can I do this in a way in which it has integrity, it has authenticity, and really is doing something good, something beyond, uh, beyond <laughs> the small group of people that we are. So number one, we've taken the, the whole universe of research and prevention. So we're looking at over a million research papers. And clearly, we're a small team. The way we've done that is by leveraging technology at its best. We've built a brain that we call the SID brain that's taking continuously research that gets published in the prevention space, makes sense of it through a set of protocols and algorithms that we developed. And then it's giving birth to a digital twin for a person and for an organization. Because imagine if you look, your, if you look at yourself in the mirror and mm. the mirror tells you, look, you're doing great on these things. You're not doing that great on these things. How about we start and we work on these two little things, right? You're up for it. You might not do it every day, but you're up for a playback of what things would improve your life quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The same for an organization. Organizations, even the ones that want to do good, <laughs> it's, very, it's a very complex space to help your employees. I mean, which, which option do you choose? How do you do it? Which one works? Mm. All of these questions. We've built a dashboard. So basically a mirror for the organization that says, okay, you're, you're doing great in these parameters. Maybe your people, physical health is doing great. Their financial health is doing great, but they are not so purpose oriented. They could need more support from there. Maybe they need more support in their social uh, environment or overall environment. So really mm -hmm. identifying for an organization as well as for an employee, what are the things that are gonna make the biggest difference with the least amount of effort? What data is, do you base that on? Oh, we baseline the data on the research papers. So imagine a research paper mm -hmm. says that, you know, um, an employee that um, is 67% risk of depression will likely lose 12 days of uh, work this year. And we know that the one thing that would help lower that level of um, depression risk would be these three interventions. Mm -hmm. So we give the employee the three interventions and we give the employer access to know that at the um, aggregated anonymized level for the organization, their biggest risks are in this bucket, stress, anxiety, depression, or maybe it's musculoskeletal. And then these are the strategies that they can employ top down to support employees. And then employees receive their own guidance for the little thing that they can do. 
on a day to day. Wow. That's great. That's great. Um, but do you you weave in uh, the data, so anonymized data of the of the employees as well? Yeah. So aggregated and anonymized. So okay. there is a life quality index for the entire organization that says. And then it takes the research on top of that, marries that, that. two together. Excellent. Wow, that's spectacular. I can only see upside for everyone to be involved in this. But, you know, it's an interesting one where I feel like a lot of the things that you're talking about perhaps were exacerbated over the last couple of years as we were going through the pandemic. And I know that you founded SID, I think, back in 2016. But, you know, how did that pandemic impact the organization and really kind of hitting your goals and where you're aiming to go? Well, it's interesting. I, every crisis opens up opportunities and the opportunity of now was number one, organizations to, to open up to the fact that people are the biggest contributor to their bottom line. And the fact that mm. if, people, if people are not anywhere close to their best, you basically do not have a business. Mm. Of people, your business is a group of people. Right. So the thing is that, organiza that organizations developed during COVID that now that people cannot show up at work, <laughs> it was literally a, a, a very direct feedback loop that your people are the things that make you who you are as an organization. Right. So that loved it, incredible. And that also filtered into the day-to-day -day experience of, of employees and we've seen the great resignation and because people had space, finally had space to think, do I like what I do? Do I enjoy what I do? <laughs> Is it cool yeah. to go to the office? And I think these two together have opened up the, the uh, a, a space of possibility that organizations genuinely dedicate more time, effort and attention to their people Right. Acknowledgement of the value that people have in the short, medium, and long term for an organization. So for me, that's the most impactful thing. For Sid specifically, it's been like rocket fuel, right? Yeah. The space of life quality has been a nice to have, right? Organizations are oh, okay, you know, it's it's great, it's cute. <laughs> Let's do something for our people. It's nice. Yeah. During COVID, it was it was. We, we don't have people, people developing depression, people don't yeah. know what to do about COVID protection. People, all of those things have become front and center overnight. So yeah. rather than being a nice to have, it's a must have. I right. mean, it's, it's not even a question of whether we want it. It's a question of how fast can we get it? Yeah. <laughs> so I want to kind of tweeze through a little bit on the pandemic because I felt that for many illnesses, even preventative illnesses, I found this is literally the worst way to talk to somebody as clever as you or as research as you. But from my personal experiences, I found that people actually really kind of postponed a lot of preventative health, right? Because they were so worried about going into medical facilities. So they avoided it. However, I imagine what you're referring to also, which is the mental health issue. I would imagine that people were, for the first time, much more open about it. Were those some trends? I mean, tell me a little bit about that. 
Oh, I think the data that came from the pandemic, we've done a few studies and an independent study also with the NHS. Um, first, the, the topic of purpose in mm. organizations have has shot to the top. So people, if they didn't feel like there's something connecting inside and I want to go to work because there's something good there, they didn't. Mm -hmm. um, the men mental health specifically and, you know, the openness to, to look at prevention, because people have spent a lot more time at home and with themselves, they realize that they've, they either started feeling better <laughs> physically, they didn't have so much junk food. <laughs> yeah. Number two, number two, you know, for, for good and bad, certain the number of divorces has gone up, but also the, the ones that have stayed together, the quality of those relationships have improved. So yes. The value of a social, of the social element has come in the forefront and people missing their friends, they've just experienced tangibly not meeting people that are important to them, having an impact on their mental health and their sense of aliveness. And then the context, I know a lot of my ex-Columbia University friends that live in New York and they live in a tiny flat, which was never a problem because they always went into work. Mm -hmm. But now all of a sudden they realize that their environment, their, their, their home is impacting their mental health. <laughs> wow. So all of these are kind of like feedback loops of the preventive actions that one could take. Yeah. Both in terms of things like diabetes, stress, anxiety, depression, that your environment impacts your mental health. Before yeah. it was conceptual, you know, yeah, you read the book and you know that if you're in nature, you feel better. But now it was practical. I'm sitting in a small space and mm -hmm. I start to feel less energized and less excited to work on anything. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, it's such an interesting moment. I think of all of the changes in my own organizations, and it's been an opportunity to perhaps allow employees uh, the chance to get to know other employees and other colleagues in a more holistic way. I think that it's, strangely enough, the Zoom calls that we're all connected by allows us to step into one another's worlds in a way that perhaps we never would have. And so there's a connectivity, yet there's also a distance, right? It's an interesting issue, I think, that we'll have going forward and kind of feeds into my last point. There's been a discussion lately about young people in the workforce and the sense that whilst they love the freedom of this hybrid working environment, they also feel kind of a, I don't know, maybe a separation from their peers, separation from the communities at large in some ways. And it's an interesting one. And so I think that as we talk about going forward into, let's say, 2023, where are you seeing things going? Are we going to be staying on these trends that we saw appear in the pandemic? Are we going to see a shift back to a certain extent or... Who knows? Are we going somewhere else, Lorena? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we're actually participating at the Future 3 conference in November, and that brings together the whole ESG topic, future of work and mm. life quality. Uh, though my view is that after such a big shift in our lives that took two years, it's just unlikely that we're going to go completely back to ground zero. Now, right. there are, I know for a fact, organizations that we're speaking with, that they find it challenging to bring their people back into the office. 
even on a two, three day basis. So I think there are different generations. Right. There are there are the young generations that you're referring to that that really crave the learning that happens through the interaction, the day-to-day interaction yeah. with their peers and right. with uh, more senior colleagues, right? I mean, it's... it's. Uh, I think that's what I'm trying to refer to. It's interesting because I have a PhD related to machine learning. And one of the things that comes up in the research a lot with AI is that, in fact, people in their mid-career and older are actually not the ones that suffer. They actually have a wealth of knowledge that, you know, is hard to replicate. It's hard to replicate that experience. However, young people, in the ways that we've taught young people to date, get really hurt by AI in a way because it takes over some of the ways we've taught them how to do things in the past. You know, a traditional pathway for pretty much every profession is to start with the basics, right? Maybe do the grunt work, so to speak, and then you move up. But with AI, you don't really have to, right? Machine learning can do a lot of that grunt work for you. And so I don't know, on one level, I think that, you know, we have this shift on how we can use technology. I am very aware of the fact that individuals, especially young people that are kind of tucked away in their apartments or even still now living at home from the pandemic, it's as if it's like they'll have a tough time shifting to the next stage of their lives, so to speak, right? You know, I see it with my own kids, you know, they didn't really have the teenage life that a normal teenager would have had, right? So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this impacts people. Yeah, I think it's a, in a way, it's a call to arms, right? It's, 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 it's calling people Mm. to start to introspect a little bit more to see what's important to them and then to take action. I yeah. think especially the younger generation, and I'm I'm teaching at a few um, universities and I'm interacting with the Gen Zers. I think yeah. there are there are some of them that really have this this sense of purpose and impact and they know and then they find ways to yeah. be part of communities and contribute and learn and you know and they find ways. And that's where kind of resilience and that inner drive. Yeah that in in a sense of direction yeah. i think paramount so yeah. i think the younger generation is really being called to stand for something you know figure yeah. out what they stand for and then go for it yeah. that integrity that you know what look i care about for me personally i care about life quality i have a ton of friends that you know what i care about the environment and then right. they it's very easy to go and talk about it it's much harder when you need to do something about it I think the yeah. young generation is just starting now to learn that talking, <laughs> social media and beyond, is only one small part of it. The yeah. action, the doing part is where you get the rewards and the satisfaction and the joy of creating something. I love it. I love it. Opportunity that uh, the young generation, some of the <laughs> young generation will embrace. Yeah. I think they will. And certainly, Lorena, it's been incredible learning more about what you've built with at SID. If someone wanted to get involved, learn more, maybe work with you, where's the best way to find you? Lorena at SID.life. Lorena at SID.life. Excellent. Well, we've been speaking with the amazing entrepreneur, Lorena Puica. She is the CEO and founder of SID. It's an organization that's aiming to improve the life quality of over a billion people through preventative precision health 
technology. And we've been talking about how that technology marries together the leading research that's available out there on preventative medicine, and then the anonymized data of executives and employees to really find a way to allow organizations to find the best healthy path forward, as well as individuals to find the best healthy path forward. Lorena, thank you so much for being on Uncage today, and we look forward to having you back. And thank you very much. Look forward to the next opportunity. <laughs> Cheers.